This is Jim Harmer, and you're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about 1,001 ways to break your DSLR and some ways to avoid it, and the Canon 60 Mark II, if it's a buy or if it's a camera to skip, plus the doodads of the week, some announcements, and plenty more. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm here today with Jeff Harmon. Hey, Jeff. Hello. Today, I talked to a camera tech. A This is a guy who does camera repair for Idaho Camera, and I wanted to get some information to share on the podcast today because um, I have ruined far too many cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I really have. I, I'm just, Jesse is selling my Fuji gear for me now. Uh, it's killing me that two of the two of the items need to go into repair before I can sell them. And it's like, how many times has this happened? And so I thought, all right, I need to just do a better job taking care of my gear. And so I thought this would be a, a good topic to talk about. Uh, but I would do, will, do want to mention, I just got back from the trip to Norway. It's been talked about on the podcast, so I won't belabor it here too much. Uh, but it was a great trip. And just watch the Improved Photography YouTube channel or right on the website uh, over the next couple of weeks. It'll take me a little while to edit everything together. But I have some videos. I think it's pretty fun. I've uh, got some pr- pretty fun YouTube content to share there. Uh, so check out for that to watch kind of the whole story. But it, it was a good trip. I took a 16-mile hike alone. It was insanely steep, over a kilometer of elevation gain to <laughs> Trolltunga. I went, I started the hike at three o'clock in the morning. It wow. was frozen cold and raining. And um, it was the first day of the year that you could make the hike without a guide that, you know, you could, that they let people do that. And so the signs weren't like great and everything yet. And there was nobody else on the trail on the way. I got lost for four hours. I was way <laughs> lost. Uh, it was crazy. So check out for some YouTube stuff for that. But uh, it was, it was a fun trip. I was grateful that I got to go. All right. So Jeff, here's your quiz. I asked, the first question that I asked this camera repair technician, uh, I said, it, and his name was John Reidman from Idaho Camera. So thanks to him for providing some of the information for today's show. Uh, but I said, what are the three ways that are the mo- most common ways to to mess up a camera? You know, he's get he gets hundreds of cameras in. How do they break? What's your guess? How, what do you think the most common ways to mess up your camera are? Well, dropping them in water. Yeah, those that's two. <laughs> those two, those are two would be. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of surprised about how durable my cameras ended up being in comparison to, to the what I expected. There was one time recently on a on a portrait shoot, um, I handed my wife the camera and she grabbed it by the camera strap that was had wiggled its way out just a little bit from the tripod fitting, mm-hmm. and the camera crashed to the asphalt <laughs> from from that. Is that and a Black was, Rapid strap? Yeah, it was a Black Rapid strap. You know, I have... Black Rapid is... Well, I'll say one thing. Black Rapid is really good about those things. I've even heard of them uh, paying for repairs for cameras that, that things happen to. So I, I'm i excited about them as a company. They seem to really take care of people. Yeah, and it was total user error. Like, they have a little gasket on the end. That helps it to not do that. And I just hadn't done it enough. Uh-huh. I, hadn't, I hadn't put it into the tripod mount enough. But and I will say, it, that's not the first time I've heard that. Sure, for sure. For the tripod socket-mounted camera camera straps not the first time i've heard that the the la- they also come with a little safety strap thing that you're supposed to put around your wrist that's also connected to the camera and i i don't have that on there so you know there's there's things that i could have done but it, the point was it, it survived so i've been really surprised about how durable 
the camera has been from dropping it. But that's certainly one dropping it from distance that that should be really bad. Uh, water definitely <laughs> you've killed enough with water Jim mm. <laughs> that, that that's got to be a problem I haven't had a problem with that either but I don't really shoot in extreme conditions to to have seen that problem I've shot in the winter and I was you know a little worried about it recently done some shooting this week in thunderstorms and and got a little worried about it too but um, there's those two uh, what's the third one all right. Well, you got to one right. Impact, yes, and water, yes. Uh, the third was sand. That, that oh, kind of surprised yes. me. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, of course, it could cause problems, but the, the way he described it, it sand is a much bigger deal than I would have imagined. Well, if you think about it, like I've gone camping in sand dunes many, many times with Boy Scout troops, and you are cleaning sand out of every nook and cranny from everything you've taken on those camps for weeks afterwards. It's just everywhere. It's all over. Even stuff that you're sure never was directly in the sand has sand everywhere in it. So I can see why that would really be a bad problem. Yeah, what he said is it really all it takes is one grain of sand in there. And I thought, you know, is it going to scratch the the sensor or anything? But he said it, it's the motors. It's the pinion that's yeah, in there. Right, if, right. if the little grain of sand gets in into that motor, it, it's over. Yeah. Um, and he said it's also an expensive thing to repair getting if your camera's dropped in sand or gets any sand in there because you really have to take the whole thing apart. Uh, he said some people will just kind of blow things and try to get it out, but you know that could just push sand further in. So he said a proper repair means you got to disassemble the whole thing. You got to get everything out, and it's the you know it's going to stick to the lube and the oils and stuff. Right, right. So you got to dry everything out, get all the sand out, and then relube it and reassemble the camera. So oh. he said that's actually one of the more expensive repairs of sand. It makes me less want to take my camera out to a sand dune. <laughs> yeah, maybe the beater, the beater one, or your iPhone or something. But even in <laughs> iPhones, actually, I I saw somebody mess up their iPhone because uh, you know at the sand dunes because it gets in that bottom port there. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, all right, so sand is one that I think I'm going to be a little bit more careful with, especially sometimes, you know, after I've been to the sand dunes, you know, you mount the lens and you turn it and you hear, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, Not you got good. sand there. And before <laughs> I've kind of like just tried to blow that, but I, I didn't realize that how bad it is if it gets inside. So I'm going to be more cautious of that after talking. The few times I've taken them to the sand dunes, I don't change lenses. I just I stick with the one lens the whole time. That's uh, probably smart. Yeah. Um, now, impact, I asked him, like, what exactly is breaking when the camera drops? Like, you know, sometimes it's something obvious, you know, crack the, the chassis or the body of the camera or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, but he said, you know, obviously the LCD is something that's going to break. Mm -hmm. And for that, I, another thing that I'll notice that I'll note as we're talking about the LCD breaking is I one time broke an LCD from just stuff rattling around in my bag. The, you know, the camera wasn't super tight in there, uh, or I'm sorry, the camera was tight, you know, in the little compartment in my camera backpack, but I had, I can't remember what it was. I had some accessory, a, a remote or something that was bouncing around in there and it impacted the back LCD and broke it. Uh, so I'm going to start putting screen protectors on my cameras. I've been hit or miss with that. Uh, half the time when I buy a new camera, I'll put one on and sometimes I don't. Uh, but now they have those really good screen protectors, you know, that aren't just the film, but it's actually a super, super thin sheet of glass. Have you used those? Yeah, I have. I find them more brittle than the the plastic covering so i i'm doing the plastic oh really mm -hmm. hmm. yeah i've broken several of the glass type uh like from zag 
Zaga is a, uh-huh. a big brand provider of screen protectors. They op- they offer a bunch of cameras too, not just iPhones and Android phones, but for screen for uh, cameras. And uh, the glass ones just seem way more brittle. I've, I've cracked a number of them, but it didn't break the LCD. No, didn't break the LCD. Hmm, I'm not sure. Then I wonder if it's <laughs> that's tough. That's tough to say. You know, like is it? You know, if it's taking the hit for it, maybe it's taking more of the hit, but also, yeah. I don't know. That's tough Could to say. Could be. I, I, the plastic ones, though, have, have done very well for me. I've got them on my cameras, and they've done great. Yeah, I could see that the plastic would certainly protect against scratches, maybe even better, but I wonder what it would do with if it's as Impacts. good with impact. That's a good I don't question. know. Um, hmm, well, that. Anyway, I also noticed on the Sony cameras, the, something about the Sony glass on their LCDs is really fragile. I had that Sony RX100 Mark V for a couple weeks, and I scratched the LCD. There were two, I mean, hairline, but there were two yeah. scratches on it, and I, I babied that thing. I had a little case for it. It was always in there. I really did take good care of it, and it scratched. And then when I looked at used uh, Sony A7R Mark A7R2s, all of them, the the LCD screens were just destroyed. I mean, just horribly <laughs> scarred up. So I, that's one thing that I'm going to be better about is always putting that that screen protector on, especially with Sony. Apple and Samsung must have all that Gorilla Glass bot. They can't. They can't Maybe so. That very well could be because my I don't put a screen protector on my phone on my on my phone, and I haven't scratched it. It's been fine. Yeah. You know, I have a case that comes slightly over the edge, uh-huh, so if I set right. it down, but uh, but I, I haven't scratched my phone. Anyway, okay, so impact we've talked about, sand we talked about, and then water. So, Jeff, he had a... W- <laughs> I don't know what to think about this. I really don't. Um, I asked him, what do you do if you get your camera in water? And I expected him to say, you know, take the battery out, put it in rice, let it dry out. Uh Uh, I've done that before. When I was in in China, I dropped my whole Fuji X-Pro2, I mean, complete submersion in the water. Um, and I pulled it out. I got the battery out as fast as I can. And the nice thing about being in China is there's plenty of rice. So we put it in some dried rice overnight and I thought I should wait a few days, but, but I wanted to use the camera. And so I put the battery in the next day and it was fine. It totally survived. So, I mean, that has worked well. I know the, the bag of rice can work, but I, I mean, what I mean, you're putting it in rice. That's going to get stuff, obviously, in the hole, in the you know yeah. the lens hole, unless you keep the lens on. But if you keep the lens on, then it's not really letting anything, letting the water get out either. So I don't know. So this was his recommendation. Tell me what you think about this. He okay. said, and he was adamant about this. He said the best way when you get your camera wet is take the battery out immediately, put the uh, put the camera in a bag, but keep the top slightly open like in a Ziploc okay. bag. Okay. Put the bag in the freezer for a week. No oh, matter, uh, you just put it in for a week. If it's a tiny bit of water, you know, maybe just a couple days, but if it's bad, put this thing in the freezer for a week. And and then put the and then put that in yeah, you keep it in the freezer and then after a week, you take it out of the freezer and you leave it to thaw on the counter, but you zip up the rest of the bag now so, you know, condensation won't get inside and stuff. And so the reason he says, well, what do you think about this? Have you, I've never heard of this. I am shocked to hear (laughs) that's the recommendation. The freezer. The freezer. Yeah. I thought that would like be the 
opposite of what you would want to do. Yeah, that's like stuff. Ex- water expands when it freezes, so it, it gets bigger, and it seems like you'd bust up that stuff inside your can. This is not making sense to me. It d- yeah, it made no sense whatever to me, but it, it actually makes logical sense after I after I picked his brain a little bit on it more. He said. The problem with water, uh, well, is twofold. One, I mean, it could just short circuit something, right? Because yeah, I mean, it's yeah. electronics and there's electricity going with the battery, etc. So one is just short circuit, but yeah. that's going to happen, you know, immediately. Right. If so, your camera was on when it went in the water, it's probably dead. Right. So if, right? if you pull out that battery super fast, okay, we avoided the short circuit. There's no more electricity going through. But still, and I've seen this before because I've messed up cameras before, even if you pull out that battery fast and, you know, you weren't seeing any glitches on the screen or anything when you got the battery out in time, uh, the the camera still didn't work after taking it out of the rice bag after a few days or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what he said is the the next problem after short circuit is corrosion, that uh, a lot of the fine, tiny little pieces of metal and things will corrode very quickly. I mean, even a tiny bit of corrosion and they're they're dead right uh these are fine electronics and so he said you know just drying it out is going to solve the short circuit it's not going to solve the corrosion problem because it's not going to get the water out in time but if you freeze this sucker then there's no time i mean it stops the corrosion right away as soon as you get it in the freezer okay so now that i've thought about it i have actually heard this advice before not necessarily to get stuff cleaned out from water but as a way to store electronics for long-term storage. So there, there's a, a, another guy that I listen to a podcast. His name is Steve Gibson. He's a nerdy nerd. Oh yeah, I know. Guy, I know right? stuff. So Microsoft security, guy. No, he's security uh, now. Yeah. Security now. Yeah. He keeps, he, when he finds a piece of electronics that he likes, he buys three or four of them because he doesn't know how long it's going to take. And then he puts them in the freezer. <laughs> he stores them in the freezer so that they will be just like they need to be when he wants to, when one's kind of dead and, and he's worn it out, then he'll pull it out of the freezer. So he has a, he has an HP calculator, for example, that he loves and HP stopped making them years ago, but he bought like four of them. And so as he wears the buttons out, he just grabs the next one out of the freezer and starts using it. <laughs> huh. This is interesting. Uh- <laughs> I don't know. So at the end of this, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're on location, you may just not have access to a freezer, right? But, you know, off, you know, we're at a portrait shoot, whatever, I'm around the house or something. Uh, What do I do? Do I go for the rice or do I go for the freezer? Oh, man, I'd still feel so weird about putting it in the freezer. I don't know. But I mean, this guy makes his living repairing cameras. He's repaired hundreds, probably thousands of cameras. (laughs) Seems super knowledgeable. And the, the guy says... Do not put it in, do not blow dry this thing. Put this thing in the freezer. I don't know. I think I'm going to go with him, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, right. We can't override the expert, (laughs) the expert (laughs) kind of witness here. So, okay. (laughs) All right. So that is, that's our, that's our answer. We're going to talk later about any (laughs) listeners that think this is a terrible idea. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Then I also wanted to get some inside information. And so I talked to John a little bit about the different camera brands and repairs. Um, I've, I heard several years ago that Nikon quit 
you know, supplying parts to the individual repair guys. But then mm-hmm. I still see all kinds of third-party companies doing Nikon repairs. And so I, I just wanted to know how all this works, how they get the parts and things like that. So here's what, what he told me. Um, we're going to go through a, a few of the different brands that he sees common repairs for. First of all, um, uh, Nikon parts are are you can get Nikon parts, but only through a distributor, not Nikon itself. Nikon doesn't give out the parts anymore, but you can still get them through a distributor, and that makes the parts a little bit more expensive because now the distributor makes want, wants to make money, Nikon right. makes, might, wants to make money, and then it comes to them. So Nikon, it's decently repairable. Not a huge problem, uh, but, but the parts are a little bit more expensive than they used to be. Fuji will not sell any parts, period, to third-party repair shops, even to distributors. Uh, so if there's a problem with a Fuji camera, it's got to go to Fuji. Yeah, that's just it. Wow. He said that you're just out of luck. You can't go to third-party repair shops um, unless it's you know some kind of part, I guess, that's general. I don't know. He said, Fuji, you're just, you're just out. Canon uh, is, he said, actually very good with parts. Um, Canon and Pentax, he said, both are by far the best companies in dealing with the repair shops for giving them parts, for you know making them uh, not ridiculously expensive and things like that. So hats off to Canon and Pentax. <laughs> Pentax, way to go. Um, and then I asked him a little bit about uh, Olympus and, and, and uh, oh, and then I asked about Sony. Where's Sony here? Oh, Sony's- Sony also does not sell parts, but they do through distributors, but they're crazy expensive and it takes a long time to get them. So, uh, eh, not that great, but, but it is possible to get those parts. So Canon and Pentax, he said, were the ones that he's, when something comes in, a camera comes in to get repaired, he's happiest if it's a Canon or a Pentax. All right. I thought that was interesting. That is. You know, I, I don't know if it makes a difference on which camera I'm going to buy or not, but but it, it, I thought it was helpful information. I've always wondered. Yeah. Okay. Now, then I asked him, what are some common ways, what are some things we can do as photographers to not mess up our gear? <laughs> and some of the stuff was obvious, you know, protect your gear from water, um, uh, you know, use a camera strap, except, you know, I honestly felt like I have never dropped my camera. Let's see if that's true. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. Really? I have never dropped my camera since I gave up camera straps. I dropped my camera a number of times when I used to use camera straps because often I'd be taking it off the tripod or something and the camera strap snags on the tripod and then flop, it goes to the floor. Uh, (laughs) Or you're trying to hold the camera just by the camera strap or something and flop, it goes to the floor. I dropped my camera a bunch of times until I gave up camera straps. I think they're evil. (laughs) I love my black rapid camera strap. So, <laughs> it, it, but for comfort, for carrying it around, or, or yeah, do you feel like it makes it more the, protected? The um, environmental portrait shoots. Uh, just I'm walking around with the camera in my hand constantly the whole time. It'll be two hours of walking around with the family outdoors as we're going to do portrait shoots, and I was having it around my neck that whole time. I used the camera strap around my neck, and it just isn't very comfortable to do it. And it's harder to get. Uh, get the camera in position. It just feels more smooth to me with the black rapid strap to go from it being to the side where it's out of the way while I'm walking and we're moving around. And then when I'm ready to shoot, it just glides up real naturally to the position to shoot with. So it's been well, well worth the money to, to get that black rapid. 
camera straps. To me. Well, that brings it up with an, another thing that I didn't like about camera straps is when I would have it to my side, I'd walk through a door and clunk <laughs> up against doors and stuff like that. When it's in my hand, like I, I have pretty good control of my hand, you know? Well, I, I don't use it when I'm going through doors. You take so. it off every time you go through a door? I take it off. I, I only have it on when I'm doing those portrait shoots. I don't have oh, it on. Oh, okay. The, Just when you're out shooting. It's, it's only when I need to have it kind of tethered to me that way as I'm going to be shooting a lot. And I, I had done it where um, I didn't use any strap at all for a little while. And that was okay. But then I found myself putting the camera on the ground a lot as we're like posing people or doing stuff. I, I'd set it down and then I go, where did I put my camera? <laughs> yeah. And couldn't find it. And so I, the, the Black Rapid strap was a much better solution for me. Oh, that's good. I, I used to use the Black Rapid strap and I did really like it until I decided that I was, I, I just decided to give up <laughs> camera straps entirely. But again, never listen to me when it comes to protect your camera <laughs> advice. Terrible, terrible person to get advice from. Uh, I've broken too many cameras. Uh, another one that he said that uh, kind of surprised me is... Um, is memory cards cause a lot of problems for cameras. I could see this with the old CF cards. So the old yeah. compact flash, yeah. you know, they were the, well, I mean, still some cameras take them, but they're, they're kind of turning into a relic. Not a lot of cameras use CF anymore. They're bigger cards. They're kind of harder on the sides, a little bit thicker. Um, and they had tons of these tiny, tiny little pins inside. Um, and, and you would, you know, it kind of looks like, well, you guys know what a CF card is. Come on, I'm not going to explain this. Um, right. Anyway, but inside the card slot, you have those little bitty pins that all the holes on the the card have to line up with. Right. If and you bend uh, the pin, you're in trouble. Exactly. Uh, those I could see easily. No, those sure. getting broken, and then that was a common problem. But he said SD cards are actually just caused just as many problems as yeah. CF cards did, uh, and that's what surprised me. I have broken. So there are tiny little pieces of plastic between the gold contacts uh -huh. on the back of right. the SD cards. I've broken a number of of SD cards that way. But he said the problem is that often those parts will break in the little slot uh -huh. and then you'll hear something rattling around and then people try to ex extricate it itself uh, by yourself and if you even touch one of those little pins down there just barely tap it it's it's to it's toast huh. so he said if you get anything out there it's you know it's really inexpensive really easy repair if he just takes off the the memory card thing and just shakes it out but if you try to dig it out yourself it's gonna cause problems all the time and he said that's actually one of the most common repairs he does is somebody messed up the the memory card reader that's weird i i take my cards in and out probably at least i don't know five seven times a week <laughs> mm -hmm. and and i've done it for four years now with the same body no problem yeah i've i've never so. broken off anything in there i've broken lots of sd cards but usually it's where i have an old card that i probably shouldn't be using anywhere and i think the plastic just gets well, kind of brittle and that that would be one of the differences. I only keep my cards in service for a year. Yeah. And then I and then I rotate it out. So Yeah, and I do the same now as well. I, I don't keep cards real long. Uh, but I used to, you know, just use them until they die. And I used to buy the cheap cards, you know, several years ago. Um, yeah. And, you know, in addition to just the electronics and how well they work and the speed and stuff, you know, what kind of what quality of plastic are they using? That kind of stuff. It's something that you can't just look at a card and know. And <laughs> right. so I think it's another reason to just go with the big companies and, and to not use them too long. 
Um, I also asked him about battery doors. He said battery doors used to be like the most common fix on <laughs> film, cam- film cameras because people just bust off the battery door. But he yeah. said now they're all made to be to kind of pop off and easily oh. come back together. And so it's just not something that he really sees very often anymore. Um, so that's it. That was uh, my interview with the camera repair tech. Um, I, I, I thought it was just interesting information. So I thought it'd be good to have here on the show. It is, yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the Canon 6D Mark II specs that were leaked by the ever-leaking Nokishita camera in Japan. (laughs) But before we do that, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this episode, which is ImprovePhotographyPlus.com. So we have a lot of new listeners to the podcast. Over the last few months, the podcast has really taken off in terms of listenership. And so if you haven't heard of ImprovePhotographyPlus.com, that's our subscription site where there's a two-week free trial and then it's $19.99 a month uh, that you can get pretty much all the stuff that Improved Photography does. I mean, we have hundreds of hours of courses on there uh, of different courses on Photoshop and Lightroom and Flash and landscape photography and uh, product photography, commercial photography, uh, great courses for beginners and intermediate and advanced photographers alike. Uh, so if you hear us talking about courses and tutorials that improve photography plus it's it's there uh, it's on improved photography plus as well as hundreds of lightroom presets sky replacements the just raw files that you can use to replace um, the skies in your photos uh, plus we get discounts on things like the improved photography retreat and also i'm really working hard right now on the technology to make sure uh, if you're an improved photography plus member you'll get the premium subscription to the really good photo spots app included in there still working on the technology but it's, it's looking pretty promising that I'll be able to do that. So if you want to check out Improve Photography Plus, head on over to the website, improvephotographyplus.com and do your free free two-week trial today. Well, in the news desk, Jeff, this is just right up your alley. You're the person that I wanted to talk to on the podcast today <laughs> uh, because you are a hobbyist photographer shooting the Canon 7D Mark II, a very capable camera. You have a lot of full-frame compatible lenses, um, yep. and you know, you're, you're deeply ingrained in the Canon system. Well, Canon wants you to buy this. Canon Absolutely. wants you to buy the Canon 6D Mark II. The camera's probably going to be announced in the next few weeks. My guess is people are going to start getting their hands on them sometime around August, late August. That's just my guess. Uh, but Nokishita camera in uh, in Japan, that's one that like I always keep on my RSS feed is uh, <laughs> I, when I see just random Japanese characters come across, it means, ooh, click that link and do the, the Japanese translation because they're going to about to leak something. They just know all of the cameras about to be released they know everything (laughs) they're awesome (laughs) it's the best leak site better than all the rumor sites combined um so nokishita camera uh says that these are the specs of the canon 60 mark or 60 mark ii so this is their new full frame camera my guess is it's going to be priced right under two thousand thousand nine hundred ninety nine it'd be my guess um on the price but these are the specs and i want to see you as a canon 70 mark ii user uh if i could convince you i'm going to play i'm going to play canon here and i want to see if uh if this is something that sounds good and i i think this is uh important to talk about on the podcast because 
This fits so well into the improved photography listeners. Uh, improved photography listeners are, you know, about 50 50 uh, full frame and crop sensor. And the biggest segment of them are on like the Nikon D750 or the Canon 6D. You know, the entry level full frame cameras is. Right. They're the most popular cameras among among improved photography listeners. Forty seven percent of of improved photography listeners are on crop frame uh, or crop sensor, and forty nine percent are on um, are on crop sensor. Okay, so here we go. Um, spec number one: twenty six point two megapixels. So, what does the seventy Mark II have? It's twenty twenty it's megapixels. 20. So, so you, I gained six megapixels. What does that mean to you? Uh. I, I wouldn't, if I could have it, it'd be great. If it was like, if you could wave a magic wand and my 7D had 26 megapixels, I would say be awesome. I would, I would love that. But it's that alone. No, that doesn't make me want to switch. You're probably right. That's a good, that's a good voice of reason. <laughs> I will say after shooting Fuji for a couple of years, and now I'm switching to the A7R Mark II, really just for fun, just to learn a new camera system is why I switched. I, I put it all in Excel and I thought, you know what? I'm actually not really losing money if I switch everything over. <laughs> um, and so I thought, ah, it's kind of fun. Let's try a new system. Uh, but after you're jumping now to the, what is it? 40.2 megapixels. Yeah, that's a bigger jump. That's a it's massive a big jump. difference. And yeah. I will say, say at 24 to 40 megapixels it's really nice it really is nice not that i i mean you can already print a big print i get that sure sure but there are so many shots that i shoot and i'm like dang i wish i would have zoomed in a little bit done you just crop it and you still have right. a super high resolution photo uh, you know you can do more pixel moving and pushing and stuff uh, more liquefy and things like that more puppet warp um, because you you have that data and and i will say that that one for me that's nice six megapixels isn't huge obviously but when people kind of dog megapixels and saying you don't need more than 20 i always think yeah you don't need more than 20 sure <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to do things in post, it's really nice to have. Right. All right. Dual pixel auto autofocus. This just means that the camera sensor itself has autofocus built points built into it, in addition to the regular phase detect autofocus autofocus points. Yep. Um, and so it's going to do better focus for video. Um, is the real benefit of this, or better focus during live view as well. Right. Um, and so the, the original Canon or the original or does the 7D Mark II have that? I'm not sure if that if it does. I can't remember. No, no, it doesn't. So autofocus during video, how big of a deal is that for you? Not a big deal at all. You're not doing much <laughs> video? Not doing a lot of video. Nope. All right. Um, but this has 45 cross-type autofocus points. Now, your 7D Mark II is an autofocus monster. Uh, yep. So this probably isn't a big deal for you. But for those listeners who own the original Canon 60, it only had 11 focus points. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big yeah, difference. That's, you'll know that I, I would imagine you're going to notice a very significant difference yes. in autofocus with this if camera. If you had the original 6D, that is a reason right there to upgrade to the Yeah, 60 in too. fact... Uh, well, not to bury the lead here, but I'm going to say that's the number one reason to upgrade if you have the original <laughs> Canon 60. But uh, compared to my 70 that has 65 of them, uh, yeah, not that. I don't want to give up those 20 focus points. I, I want all 65. In fact, I, I really have had a lot of needs with the sports photography I do where I need focus points higher up than I can get to. There's not, they're not f covering the full uh, viewfinder, so uh, I could use more. 
That's a good point. The The coverage of those points, especially Canon's, the original Canon 60, not only did it only have 11 points, they were really pushed toward the yeah, center. Were, mm-hmm. um, and so yep. even to follow the rule of thirds, you can't. You're I mean, that was crazy. Yeah. You had to yep. focus and recompose. And that's, yep. a, that's a, a significant problem in my mind. Now, some camera manufacturers have gone crazy with this. You yeah, know, you yeah. see <laughs> Fujis and Sonys that have 200 plus focus points. It's like, okay, all right, we get it. You have lots of focus points. <laughs> because nobody's even going to turn that on. I mean, you can turn that feature on to have that many, but most people are going to choose to have fewer points so you don't have to like scroll forever to get to your points. So. Right, yeah. All right, six and a half frames per second. Decent, nothing to get excited about, but decent. Yep. Um, the original Canon 60 did four and a half frames a second. It's a little bit sluggish. And this is another area where my 72 is better. It's a 10 frame per second, and I use all 10 frames as I'm shooting sports. That It really helps me to get the my choice of, of shots as someone's doing a, a move in basketball or whatever I'm shooting. I use it, so... I wouldn't want to go back to 6.5. Yeah, and the other thing about about the frames per second, uh, it even has some some uses that maybe aren't noticeable normally. Like when I was doing the real estate photography course with Josh Corrigan that's up on Improved Photography Plus now, um, one thing I, I said, so, you know, why are you shooting at ISO 800? And he said, I just don't want to wait around for the frames to take so long with the shutter speed. And I thought, that's kind of silly. I mean, it's going to save you like a quarter of a second. <laughs> But, you know, when I saw him, I mean, he's shooting 25 rooms in the house. Yep. Uh, he's shooting, uh, you know, bracketed shots, multiple angles of each one. Like, yeah, you, actually, that is significant. You kind of want right. to hurry uh, as you're doing this. And so things like frames per second just make everything feel snappier if you're doing bracketed shots, things like that. You know, as long as the shutter speed's fast enough, uh, it's nice to have at least. Yep. All right. This is the, I can barely say it. It's so frustrating. <laughs> Uh, Canon's only offering 1080p on this camera. It's not doing 4K. Uh, this surprises nobody because Canon right, has been right. super stubborn about not putting 4K in the cameras. It is possible to do this without even upgrading the hardware. Uh, we know that because we've we've seen you know the third-party firmware uh, on this camera that can, oh, suddenly it does shoot 4K, Canon. Um, but the reason they're not doing it is because they have their super expensive cinema cameras and they do make sure they want to make sure that they're not uh, taking over their own business. It's so frustrating to see this. So <laughs> frustrating. Um, you know, I think most of the people that listen to the show don't do video, um, but I, I hope to see that changing a little bit over time. As I've played with video more and more um, and producing YouTube content and videos on Improved Photography Plus and stuff, I actually end up doing a lot of video. It's fun. It's oh, just I a fun, it. creative release. I love doing video. It's great. I just don't have anyone who wants to pay for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> And it takes a lot of time. It does. I mean, to if you're, you know, let's say you want to produce a video, just, you know, time lapses and things like that of the spring in Idaho. Whew, we're talking about a major commitment of months to record all the time lapses, edit all that video together, uh, put a, I mean, just to produce a, a two minute video that's just kind of look at nature and how beautiful it is. Right. We're talking about a months long commitment. It's, it's not like photography where you can just go snap some photos and, and share them online. It's a major And that'd major still mostly commitment. be stills, right? That wouldn't even be using the video features of the camera. 
Yeah, well, you know, I do time lapse. I've been doing time lapse sometimes just by recording a very, very long video of yeah. 10 minutes and then just making it go fast. Um, the advantage is it just saves me a heck of a lot of time in post-processing. Yeah. You know, yeah. when you have like a thousand photos and we got to put these together into a time lapse and stuff, sometimes I've just been recording a 10-minute video and much easier. <laughs> All right, three inch LCD, uh, but it's touch. Touch. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Good job, Canon. Um, <laughs> it has Wi Fi, Bluetooth, and GPS. So this really only adds Bluetooth over the original Canon 6D. But thank you, Canon, for putting GPS in your camera. As someone who's about to release an app that's reliant <laughs> on people having GPS coordinates for their locations, thank you. So, and my 72 has GPS. I almost never use it because I don't want to drain my battery faster, <laughs> but. Jeff, turn that on. I love that thing. <laughs> I wish my camera had GPS. Yeah, it, it has it. I, I almost never use it. I, I would I would start using it more if I was doing enough landscape. I've been doing way more portraits lately, and I don't care about having GPS coordinates for that. Yeah. Um, but the Wi-Fi is something I, that is a big deal. I really oh, yeah, would you're, like to have You're wifi. doing Wi-Fi w- with, a third, with an accessory card, huh? And it's garbage. It's uh, complete garbage. That card is worthless. So um, I would love to be able to have that feature. That's one that really I, I would love to have. Yep. In terms of, of weight and size and everything, it's it's about identical. It weighs 760 grams, which, if you're wondering, is equal to 28 sushi rolls. So... <laughs> Just 28. like 28 of them. Um, all right. So that is the Canon 60 Mark II. Uh, I have a write-up on, on improvedphotography.com, but those are just specs. You know, it's actual dollars that you have to put down now to decide if you're going to buy this thing. And, you know, we're talking about the 60 Mark II, but it really is reflective, you know, similar in the Nikon system. Uh, is it worth going from the high-end, you know, D500, uh, the high-end APS-C sensor, to the to the entry level full frame are you buying this thing or not did i convince you so like you said i i have to be the target market for this camera i have yeah i've built up my lens over the years now i've i've got it so that that's not a problem anymore if i went full frame be able to use the lenses that i've got on the full frame camera it's the entry level full frame so the price is much less than the full the big 5d body or the, the the guy there um I'm not even remotely tempted. Even though there's a few features I would like to have, that Wi-Fi would be awesome. I could use that. I, I wouldn't mind the six megapixels. That'd be great. Um, the improved ISO performance, which is kind of what the biggest reason I've heard people going to the 6D was. I, there's lots of uh, astrophotographers in particular that will upgrade from their crop sensor to go to the 6D just so that they can get a little cleaner photos of the of astrophotography scenes. Um, I don't feel limited with, with that, with my camera. Uh, the, the articulating screen, full articulating screens, we didn't mention that feature. I'd love that. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, I'm, I was really glad to see that. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the advantage of the full artic- articulating uh, over the regular ones, other than just obvious, you know, you can use it in selfie mode and, and, uh, and right. et cetera. Other than that, the other advantage is you can spin your screen around so it's just plastic in the back. So it really protects that LCD screen right, when it's in right. storage. Yeah, and getting creative compositions. You don't have to get down on your belly to (laughs) to get the composition going. and It would be nice. I I would like that. But none of those things, I I guess the dynamic range, if it was killer dynamic range at highest ISOs, 
then maybe that would convince me. But I'm, I'm very skeptical that it would be a killer improvement there. There's a good website that I've been looking at. I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm going to see if I can arrange to have the author of the website on Photo Taco in the future. But it's called Photons to Photos, and it's .net, photons to photos.net. And he's got some very scientific, you can tell just going to the website. That it's kind of This a, is a total nerd site. <laughs> yeah. This is a guy who's really got a scientific approach to measuring it. He's not a pretty web developer person. <laughs> no, it's not, there's, there's it's nothing not beautiful about this site. <laughs> the, the logo at the top left is a house, which means yes. go to the home. <laughs> like, it's a so, very bare bones site, but it looks like it has pretty cool information. This it, is awesome. Yeah, it is. And, and you, he's done some work there. I don't, I want to have him on the show because I don't understand how he's getting his his uh, ratings about dynamic range. He's got a scientific approach to measuring dynamic range capabilities in the camera. And I really want to have him come try to see if he can explain it to me. I don't know if that's going to be possible, <laughs> but I want to give it a try. Anyway, he's got a graph. You can compare many camera bodies against each other with dynamic range performance as you increase the ISO, because that's where it really becomes noticeable. And, uh, and they're not that different. Like the ADD, for example, which sounds like you have attention deficit disorder. But this is the number 80 followed by the letter D. <laughs> That's right. Uh, was, it was lauded by the media like crazy about the, it, the vastly better dynamic range. But when you look at his graphs and you compare the two between the 70 Mark II and the ADD, they're not that different. They're very, very close. At the 200 to 400 ISOs where there's the gap, that's the dynamic range was better. I'm not disappointed with the dynamic range of my 72 at that ISO range. And when you go further towards the higher ISO values, it's right on the to on top of the 72. So, yeah, you know, that's an important point, Jeff. In fact, I just did a portfolio review today uh, from a photographer in Iowa who had a really strong portfolio, did some great stuff. Uh, but the one thing that I said as I looked through all his photos was uh, in a lot of the photos, the ISO was a little bit too high and the problem was not that the you know the little bit of grain you get uh, right. at higher ISOs the problem was the image quality just looked cruddy in yes, when right. the, when you were at higher ISOs I think that we always talk about the trade-off to ISO is grain and that's only one of the things as your ISO goes up you also lose a tremendous amount of detail things will not look as sharp when you get to the higher ISOs I, I sometimes even hear people say oh grain makes things look a little bit sharper I'm like I don't think so. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I really disagree with that. Uh, it's it you lose. It cannot record as fine of detail when you get to that higher ISO and the dynamic range is, is reduced. So there are a lot of negatives to shooting at higher ISOs. Grain is just one of them. Right. Yeah. So overall, it's just not a compelling reason for me and the shooting that I do. What's what my camera needs to do for me as a hobbyist that I just, I really enjoy doing all types of photography and this won't do that. This is not going to be a good sports camera. It's not going to do everything that I want to do. Now would it, it won't do everything quite as well as the 6D either. Sure, that astrophotography use case, that it, the 6D2 would probably do quite a bit better there or noticeably better anyway. But I want to be able to do whatever photography comes to mind. <laughs> Anything I want to try and experiment with. And I'm being a hobbyist, I got to live with one body. That's It's a constraint I'm in. And uh, 
it doesn't make any sense for me to go get the 62. Well, Ken said it's missing out on your hard-earned <laughs> cash, Jeff. <laughs> right. Well, uh, in the we have a couple things coming up with improved photography uh, that we want to make you be aware of. First, update on the Really Good Photo Spots app. Um, yes, I know I've been working on this for two years, and I'm more excited about to get this out than anybody else. Uh, <laughs> we are down to one last bug uh, and then we'll be submitting it to apple uh hopefully in two days uh, i think we've seen the final release in terms of beta so i'll be re- re- submitting it to apple this week and then we'll see you know apple sometimes has things and it may take a few more weeks to work right. through them and it may just be up on the store uh, so it's kind of out of my hands pretty soon uh to see what apple says uh but but we're it, it still release is imminent can't wait to get it out um also, we have a hotline. Um, the We want to hear more of your voices on the podcast. We used to do this back in the day, um, and it was really fun, but it just took me a lot of time. But I've really decided I want to commit more to this podcast uh, and making it better produced and, and more informative. And so we're bringing back the Improved Photography Hotline. You can find it at improvephotography.com slash hotline. Uh, all you need to do is just record any feedback you have on the show. So if you've sent in a camera for a repair uh, and you had a comment on something uh, that we said here or something you want to correct that Jeff said, probably not for right. me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in the Canon 60 Mark II or thinking about upgrading to full frame, uh, but especially if you've had any horrible nightmares or anything with camera repairs, please go to improvephotography.com slash hotline and we will play your feedback in the next episode. Um, We we really want to have more of your voice on the podcast. So take a second, check it out, improvephotography.com slash hotline. Uh, We'd love to have some feedback and I think it'll take a couple weeks to kind of get people in the routine of of doing that, Uh, but it'd be awesome. I think it'll really add to the show if people will take a second and and do that. It's super easy to do. If you just go to that page, it'll show you how to do it. You can have your feedback submitted in seconds. And they don't need to call and tell me that I made a mistake on Photo Taco with the 27-inch iMac. I know it's got user upgradable RAM. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I made the mistake of assuming Apple was going to be horrible across all of the refresh. The 21.5 inch version, you can't upgrade the memory in the 27 inch. You can. So yes, I, I heard that all week. <laughs> yes. So definitely call in and let Jeff know about that. He'd appreciate it. <laughs> um, also some changes to the, the podcast that I think will really allow us to have a better show. First of all, you're going to start seeing all of the improved photography podcasts right on this feed. If you're listening to this, to this podcast right now, you're set. If you're subscribed to the improved photography podcast, we're going to switch the schedule every Monday. You're going to start getting an episode of photo taco portrait session, latitude or tripod. It's going to be kind of rotating each Monday and then every it's going to be Thursday night so really Friday is when you can listen to it the Improved Photography Podcast uh, is going to be hitting your feed uh, the reason that we wanted to to make these changes is well and, and also I'm spending more time preparing for each one of these episodes I do not want this show to become where it's you know 20 minutes throw this thing together and blab for 45 minutes I want it to be information packed and really well researched uh, like today I spent an hour researching uh, camera repair stuff and calling uh, to get the inside scoop on that. 
We're also having fewer ads in the podcast. I don't like them to get too addy. Uh, so from now on, we're going to have one pre-roll and then two mid-roll ads and that's it. Um, more interviews from experts and also the Facebook groups. We used to have separate Facebook groups for each one of the podcasts. We're just putting everything all into one. Just the, If you just search on Facebook, Improve Photography Podcast um, on Facebook, uh, you'll you'll see the group there and that's where we're doing all the talking and we're I'm working on some things to, to eliminate more spam out of that group um, and take less time in, in moderating that. The reason we're doing this is I was spinning and Jesse was spinning, both of us spinning over half of our work week moderating the Facebook groups and coordinating all the podcast stuff. And so I think just a, these couple little streamlined uh, changes are really going to allow us to produce better quality content and uh, and make sure we, we always bring something good for you each week. Well, uh, in our next episode of the Improved Photography Podcast is going to be dedicated to stock photography. It may be, now that may have put some of you to sleep, but I think this is an, <laughs> an underutilized area of photography for a number of reasons. No matter what genre you shoot, including landscape, travel, product, portrait, whatever, uh, this is a great way to get a check every month um, to pay for more photo gear and do more photography stuff. And so I am interviewing the author of the the guy who actually wrote the book on product photography, uh, Steve Heap. Um, he's a very knowledgeable product photographer. So I'm going to be spending the week, the week reading his ebook, and then uh, I'm going to grill him next week and see what information we can glean from him. Uh, my goal is to, uh, I I want to just try it really just as an experiment to see if I can pay for my cell phone every month with stock photography. You know, not huge. <laughs> I have small, small hopes here, uh, but I think it'd be kind of fun. You know, I have thousands of photos in Lightroom and I think a lot of them would be suitable to, for stock. And so I need to just get on the ball and start uploading them to stock. So I'm going to grill him next week and get that information for us. But first the doodads of the week, uh, Jeff, what do you have for us? So this is something I used uh, a little this week. As I said, I was trying to capture some lightning. It's kind of fun in the summertime. We get these daytime lightning storms that build up and they, they're not there for very long, but uh, I, was, I was able to go out and try to capture them. I really needed an ND filter to get it. So I didn't capture any this week, but I had my camera out there and I wanted to make sure I didn't have water on it like we talked about in the mm -hmm. episode. So I used uh, a rain sleeve. It's really cheap. Uh, it's $7 to get two of them, and I've only needed the one. I've used it a lot. So it's not like it's a use it once and it's dead kind of thing. Uh, the one I chose is simple on Amazon to get. It's Optech, but they have like this weird slash in between the op and the tech. So it's, but Optech USA rain sleeve, two, uh, two pack for $7. Very nice. And I mentioned on the last episode of the podcast, um, step down rings. Uh, if you're if you're buying an ND filter or a polarizer, uh, to just get one that's a little bit you know the biggest that you could want as you upgrade lenses and change things around, so you don't have to keep rebuying them every time you get a different wide angle lens. Uh, and today I want to recommend the ND filter that I bought for mine, which is from Breakthrough Photography, the 82 millimeter. So ah, tough choice when you're buying an ND filter. 
like, okay, obviously it'd be nice if you could buy a three stop, six stop, eight stop, 10 stop, etc. Right, but that's right. like a thousand dollar commitment <laughs> if you're going to buy good filters for all of them. So I said, okay, I'm switching to Sony. So I did need a new filter. I bought the big one so I wouldn't have to buy this again. So three, six or 10 stop was my choice. I decided to go with six um, uh, because it's, you know, it's, it's dark enough that you can even use it for some daytime stuff, especially if you put a polarizer on it as well to block out even a little bit more. But uh, it's not so dark like a 10-stop. Uh, you can't really even use a 10-stop at a waterfall because everything's just going to be pure milk. There's like no detail left in the water. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try out the 6-stop and hopefully I'll be able to play with the ISO to be able to, uh, to use it for kind of everything. We'll see how that goes. I was wishing I had one with those thunderstorms. That would be handy. A, I don't have an ND at all yet, so I need to do that. Well, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. Expect on Monday uh, to be getting a new episode of one of the other shows, and then we'll start going on our new schedule right here. One podcast, the Improved Photography Podcast with photo taco episodes and latitude and tripod and all the um, all the things that you love about the, the network all in one place now. Thank you all for your support and your download, and we'll see you in another seven days.